Welcome to the party. I'm Sam Ekstrom of Lockdown Sports Minnesota. Can the Vikings turn their season around against Taylor Swift and the Kansas City Chiefs? Hey, this is Arif with the Wide Left Substack. How about them twins? This is Luke Braun of Locked On Vikings, and uh, the Vikings called me to be their practice squad quarterback, but I couldn't make it, so they called Tanner Morgan. <laughs> Ron Johnson is going to let you hear it for that. Uh, plenty of Vikings <laughs> Chiefs talk coming up on today's Minnesota Football Park. Locked On Sports Minnesota Podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. It's time for the Minnesota Football Party. What's up, everybody? Happy Thursday. Another edition of the Minnesota Football Party on Locked On Sports Minnesota. Today's show presented by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50-plus infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E, medical.com. You met Arif Hassan. You met Luke Braun of Locked On Vikings, and I'm Sam Ekstrom. Big thanks to all who watch on Lockdown Sports Minnesota's YouTube. Please subscribe and find us on the Lockdown Vikings audio feed along with Luke Braun's Lockdown Vikings shows. There is also a brand new, as of yesterday, 24-7 YouTube live stream where you can find all the Lockdown local shows and very soon all the Lockdown Sports Minnesota content as well, and that would include the Ron Johnson show. He'll be joining us early in today's show. We're talking about the potentially beatable Kansas City Chiefs, the Vikings pass protection, and where they're at in their defensive rebuild. And of course, we'll have our weekly parlay picks. But why don't we get Ron Johnson in the mix here right out of the gate? He's the host of the Ron Johnson show. I've got the wrong graphic up. There it is. He's at three Ron Johnson on X. Did you hear the slander, Ron, that Luke Ron <laughs> just leveled at Tanner Morgan signed to the Vikings practice squad? Can you believe that? No. What, what did he say? Just lay it on. Do, you want to repeat it, Luke Ron? Yeah, Why don't on, you Luke. repeat it? I forgot. <laughs> he uh, he I, said the Vikings were going to sign me to be their quarterback, but I couldn't make it, so they signed Tanner Morgan instead. That's what he said. Wow. That's what he said about the second-best quarterback in Minnesota Gophers history. I mean, if you want to get somebody to come in quickly for the week and give you a Patrick Mahomes look, who better than Tanner Morgan? I mean, how else can you prepare for Patrick Mahomes outside <laughs> with the scout team thing? Okay, I get that. Signing because they Tanner lost Steve Wisconsin. Yeah, was uh, was exactly. Nelson not available? <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, if you're if you're looking for somebody who's going to be smart, I mean, think about uh, what's the guy for Wisconsin that played behind Peyton Manning for years, Jim Sorgi. You yeah. know, if you're looking for somebody smart, this guy was coaching for the Gophers before he got called over to the Vikings. Uh, extremely smart guy. Sometimes the backup, when you look at guys like Frank Wright, guys that have gone on to become NFL coaches, being the backup is the way to do it. I mean, Kevin O'Connell. Um, so I, I think that Kevin O'Connell might see Jim a little, Harpa. He might saw a little Tanner Morgan in himself. Like, you know what? I remember when they gave me a chance and I was a backup. And now look at me in the NFL. Tanner Morgan will be a college football coach or NFL coach at some point. Uh, he already had started in that process, and now he's just getting more opportunities yeah, to uh, add to his uh, tool belt uh, as he moves on in football. And who knows? Who knows? We we The story for Tanner Morgan is not written, but we do know at his age, you know, staying in school for six to seven years. Um, he's one of the older guys, so he is a veteran, smart, married already, so you're not going to have to worry about hearing about him in the media as well. So just another, I think, a locker room glue guy that can really be a smart uh, asset to practice. I our own take, Doug Peterson. <laughs> I can take this uh, acquisition of a former Gophers quarterback a little more seriously than Mitch Leidner back in the day. I think this is maybe even a little a step above the Mitch Leidner signing. Mitch Leidner was a, a Heisman Trophy candidate uh, for one week. For the beginning of the season, <laughs> a lot of people picked Mitch Leidner to win the Heisman. I even had said it too because of his size and how everybody was talking about him. So I don't, I don't know what happened there. Yeah, remember, Big Shea remember had him on his a, first round big board. Yeah, he's for a first a round pick for about a week too. Yeah, yeah, unbelievable. Uh, well, Ron, we've had a lot of fun with the Taylor Swift angle in this Chiefs game, but this is a pretty big football game, and the Chiefs have some pretty good football players. I, I would not say the Chiefs are playing their sharpest football right now, mm -hmm. though. Do, how how winnable do you think this game is? Well, one, I can confirm she is not 
coming to the game. Oh, uh, my, my source within okay. the Minnesota Vikings organization, uh, one of my sources with the travel as well. Uh, as of now, so of course, things can always change after a couple text messages and, and a couple yeah. of like, hey, just grab the jet and head over to uh, Signature Airport and, and we'll have you taken care of. But as of right now, she is not coming to U.S. Bank Stadium. But again, that could be a red herring trying to throw everybody off the scent and just act like, okay, she's not coming. And then boom, she's there. There'll um, be a, a suite left open for her. Let's just put it possibly down. a secret suite that nobody has access to. And all of a sudden everybody's like, why is this suite empty? And then you like look over closer. You're like, wait, is that Donna, Kelsey and <laughs> Taylor Swift? <laughs> They're a duo now. I mean, Blake Lively, she might make the trip. Is Ryan that Reynolds. Jackman? Yeah, is that Hugh Jackman <laughs> just hanging out over there? <laughs> Sophie Turner after splitting up with the Jonas brother, right? Exactly. So when you think, oh, oh yeah. And I, I still can't believe uh, Priya Chopra is still with one of the Jonas brothers. She needs to just go ahead and separate too. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> when you look at this, this chiefs game, and here's where I go with this. It is a winnable game for the Vikings for the simple fact of, if you look at Patrick Mahomes's receivers, it has not been a great season for his receivers thus far. I think he's only thrown two touchdowns to receivers. Um, and so you can, if you can, Double team Travis Kelsey. You have what five safeties who dress, four safeties at least, but five safeties who dress. Just put two safeties on Travis Kelsey and say, let's let the rest of these guys try to beat us and we'll go man coverage across the board. Uh, because he has not had you know ample targets to the other receivers, they have not been great. Uh, the, the Lions had the secrets to success, which is making them uncomfortable. Granted, uh, Jones didn't play, and we know Travis Kelsey didn't play in that first game. Um, but I think this is a winnable game when you look at that and then vice versa. You look at there's always been one receiver every week who's kind of gotten a touchdown on the Chiefs or had a big game uh, when they gave up 110 yards. Uh, but the key with that is this is Justin Jefferson's game. They they give up a ton of targets to one receiver. Um, I don't know if they feel like they want to give him up to Jordan Addison because Jordan Addison has become the home run hitter. Uh, we know Justin Jefferson is, but Justin Jefferson now has become like that slow blade that we talked about with Adam Thielen at times. And then eventually Justin Jefferson can hit you deep, but they're going to matriculate down the field with him. And so I think they want to let that happen and don't give up the deep post uh, because they know Kevin O'Connell's looking at that. If I can make you watch Justin Jefferson, I can hit you with the deep post with Jordan Addison, which has happened twice. Um, so I think the Chiefs are, are, are on alert for that. They don't want to give up the big play. And so it feels like this could be a TJ Hawkinson or Justin Jefferson, just like a ton of targets, ton underneath stuff. I mean, they're going to need to come up with 14, 15 play drives, but I think patience is the answer to this game for Kevin O'Connell. He does not need to try to just go after it and then be three and out and punt. You can't give the ball back to Patrick Mahomes quick. You have to slow this game down. Just take what the defense gives you. It's okay to throw for three yards, then throw for five yards, then you know convert a third and two. Kevin O'Connell has been one of these, like, I got to get it on first or second down yeah. guy, and he's got to chill out this week. Well, so one of the, I mean, you briefly mentioned it, but like one of the challenges is that this is maybe the best Chiefs defense that Mahomes has ever had. Yeah. Right. A lot of that has to do with this like really exciting young secondary. Um, they've got just a really rock solid group of linebackers. But I mean, the guy that worries me is Chris Jones. He wasn't there for that Lions game. You mentioned that. Um, how, I mean, given kind of the questions that people have about the Vikings interior, like how do you handle dealing with somebody like Chris Jones? <sighs> Well, <laughs> honestly, for a lot of offensive lines and, and, and pass protection, for what I've been told, there's different versions of this, but you can alert a guy. And so if you alert the guy in practice, you're kind of giving your, your chipper or your extra helper the alert, meaning Chris Jones is here. So we're going to alert Chris Jones. We're going to identify the mic, but we need to alert Chris Jones, which means if you're the center or the, sorry, the guard, and there is a guy maybe head up or eye, inside eye or, you know, whatever, opposite eye of the uh, center, you have to say, okay, I know the center has to handle this guy. I have to alert Chris Jones off to my left. I got to help out. Vice versa, if I'm the tackle and I see Chris Jones has moved here. I got to alert. Hey, I got to help inside on Chris Jones. The tight end or somebody else might be manned up on a DN. So that's why it's scary. Like Chris Jones does create a scary type of situation. And maybe that's why I'm not saying that's the only reason the Lions won, but maybe that was the reasons for some of the Lions success is you don't have to alert some of these other guys, but Chris Jones, you have to, you have to understand where he's at, what they're trying to do with them. Uh, if there's loops and twists, 
you never worry about the looper if Chris Jones is the first guy. You take the first guy. You let that looper because it takes a longer amount of time, and that's how teams get screwed up. They see that looper, and the guard lets the first guy go to say, oh, I'm, I'm smart. I'm going to take the looper. And then Chris Jones just knifes through the second guy because he can't hold up. You hold him with the second guy, and you watch that looper last minute hoping Kirk Cousins has gotten rid of the ball, or you can then come off late and say, let me just stick an arm out and maybe take him off his track for half a second. Um, but again, that's why I say be okay with these third, you know, these three yard, five yard passes because you don't have a ton of time with Chris Jones. And when you look at the Minnesota Vikings and you and you talk about what deflates the crowd the most, it's the sacks of Kirk Cousins. When he's getting sacked, the crowd is deflated, the team's deflated, and everybody's like, ah, oh, here goes his offense line. When he's throwing the ball around the field and he's getting it out quick and he has time, it's a it's a it's a highly motivated offense and team. So I think that's the key with Chris Jones. You have to alert him. You have to know where he's at at all times. You can never assume somebody else has him. I'm I'm just not convinced this is the right week to to bring Garrett Bradbury back. He was limited yesterday with that back injury. <laughs> Kevin O'Connell said that let him stay home, play his yeah, best right. game. Just take your Why time, man. Take your time. Let's roll with it. Let's ease Bradbury yeah. in against the Bears the following week. I'm not You're convinced right. yeah. this is the right time. Yeah. Well, that's right. No matter what happens in this Chiefs game, it's a get right game next week. I agree. Ron, what do you got? Uh, Speaking of that offensive line, I've been one of the questions I get every week is about how do we reconcile how many QB hits Kirk Cousins has taken with all of the metrics that evaluate the Vikings offensive line as like a top five, top 10 unit if they're blocking so well why is the qb getting hit i've got my theories but i I was wondering if you had thoughts on that oh man so i honestly and i hate to do this uh because it's this is i feel like this is what people do but Kirk cousins internal clock sometimes doesn't go off like he tends to hold the ball a little bit longer and and the reason is because you have a guy in justin jefferson you have the best receiver in the world so you do want to give him that extra second or that extra half a second even to say like he he might come open And I think that's why when you look at like, you know, I'm just looking at Patrick Mahomes, you look at this receiving core and I don't know if you've done it, but I literally, and nothing against these guys. Cause I was probably one of these type of guys where people like, who's Ron Johnson. Like when you look at Rasheed Rice, you know, you look at Kadarius Tony, we know him just because he's a crazy person. Um, You know, you look at Sky Moore, we know that cause he has a cool name and we're in football, but some people, if you look at this list, you don't have the Tyreek Hills, the Juju Smith-Schusters. Like, you don't have these. Like, his only two touchdowns for a receiver is to Rasheed Rice and to uh, – what's his name? So, what, what does Patrick Mahomes do? He throws the ball to Noah uh, Noah Gray. He throws the ball to uh, Blake Bell. He throws the ball – well, we know Travis Kelsey. Uh, but Jarek McKinnon, like, he's just throwing the ball to whoever is open. He doesn't care who it is. And I think that's where Kirk Cousins has to get back to. He has to just start spreading this ball around throwing it to everybody like his targets sometimes get really focused and I know Kevin O'Connell has built this Cooper Cup type offense but look at the Rams Cooper Cup is gone and Puka Nakua is the guy now like it's it's got to be that like Kirk Cousins has to just take the play and say what does the defense give me if it's cover two okay if I know I got a deep post I probably don't have that if I know I have a, a, a comeback on the sideline he's converting it to like a rail shot maybe that's my throw if none of those are there because the safety got over the top faster than I expected Hit the guy up the seat. Like, he's got to know exactly where he's going based off the, the safety movement. And then this is where Kirk Cousins has failed in the past is he gets so caught up in that back end, he forgets to watch the underneath. And so that's why quarterbacks get paid a ton of money. It's a ton of stuff to look at. Um, but to the answer, long long answer to – or sorry, short answer to a long response, uh, Luke, he does have to that, – that clock sometimes has to go out, even if he just throws the ball into the freaking stands. Like, find a guy near that guy and throw it out of bounds near him so you can just move on and punt. Uh, the great ones do that. It seems like at times Kirk Cousins doesn't. Yeah, Ron, I, I think you- there's something with, like, not ha- – like, sometimes there just isn't a hot in the progression, too. Correct. And that feels like, and it like could what, come what are we doing here? Like, yeah, we just have no answer. Like, that's kind of what it felt like. It was There was a third and five against the Panthers. The Jeremy Chin gets this big sack. It's like there's nowhere that felt like it was – set up for the scenario where the Panthers blitz on third and five. It's like, how are you not prepared for the Panthers to blitz on third and five? But then there's also, I mean, there's a lot of quarterbacks that can at least buy a little time just by moving around. Not necessarily. Yeah. I I think it's a small pocket movement. Kirk Kirk doesn't really move much like that. He's already kind of admitted that, but 
Uh, yeah. He did get a body guy to help him with some of those like off leg throws, some of the weird turns. Gotta get a guy see Patrick that. Mahomes doing it. Um, but this is what I'll say: Kevin O'Connell uh, needs to reach out to Vince Vaughn because Vince Vaughn is the king of hot routes. Like we've all seen him in Wedding Crashers. We know he knows exactly when to do it. Uh, if Taylor Swift is in the building, I want to see nonstop hot routes. But Kevin O'Connor, I mean, I, I do agree with that too, Luke. Like when I do look at the offense sometimes, I always wonder that when I see a, a safety or corner blitz, I'm like, who's hot? Like where's the slant yeah. behind the blitzer? And that's old school Peyton Manning, Reggie Wayne, Marvin Harrison football. And some people call it boring, but it works. It yeah. works. You look yeah. at Peyton Manning and Wes Welker. How many times have we seen Wes Welker break out because his guy blitzed or just turn because his guy blitzed or run a slant behind a linebacker because he blitzed? Like, even if I'm covered and I know Mike is 54, 52 to his right and he blitzes, I'm now hot because that guy vacated. Nobody's blocking him. So I'm running the quick hot route, which is a one step or three step slant. And the quarterback knows, like, boom, he's coming. One, two, three, boom, I'm hitting the inside slant because that middle backer, most likely on a blitz, he's just filling down. He doesn't fill over. So, and if he feels over, he's late. So I got to get out my hands quick. And that's that's old school kind of boring football. But I think the innovation sometimes of some of these new age coaches is it's not built in. Because um, even, uh, uh, what's his name? Sean McVay, when you watch the Rams, it was similar for that. Like they, it always felt like Matthew Stafford was just holding on to the ball, waiting for somebody to come open versus like somebody's coming. I got to dump the ball off. And so, again, it, it is what it is. I mean, I, and I hate to go college football on this, but if you watched um, the the last, I think it was a touchdown. I forgot who caught it, but that was a hot route. It was basically a read zone hot route. He he stuck it in. Uh, I think it was uh, Lamecki Brockington maybe ran a, a quick oh, slant. Gophers game. Yeah, Gophers game. And people were saying, I think it was Northwestern even, um, people were saying like, oh, that was a, a post because I heard the broadcast. And I'm like, okay, one, you're on the Big Ten Network, and you thought that was a post, and he took three steps. One, okay, I'm the only one probably that noticed that, and I'm very upset that you said that. Two, it was just a read option slant, but he took the hop because the linebacker shot right away, and he's like, I got this slant. And so that's where you have to build that into to some of these NFL offices, and that's why the great ones do it. But, I mean, you'll see Patrick Mahomes do it all the time. He'll kind of stick it in there like he's a handoff, and he sees a guy come, and he just throws it out to the flat. Kevin O'Connell doesn't really have that, and maybe it's because Kirk Cousins isn't as mobile and as, you know, like, that's not his movement. Like it takes a lot to be able to do that and quick change and say, I got to throw a hot route. I don't know. I, I I'm confused with that one too, Luke. Yeah. Vince Vaughn got, got buried by Bradley Cooper in that movie though. Right. Like <laughs> Vaughn got put on the injured reserve. Yeah. That's because Owen Wilson yeah. doesn't know what hot route means. Like he, he was too worried about what's her name. Yeah. Uh, what was what's, what's the yeah. girl's name? She was like the, the, the it not, girl for a while. Rachel not McAdams, Amy Adams. Rachel McAdams. Amy Adams was the crazy one. Yeah. Rachel Amy McAdams, Rachel McAdams. Oh. Yeah. Rachel. She was the it yeah. girl yeah. for a while. Uh, yeah. He was too enamored by Rachel McAdams. So that's why he didn't understand. Uh, he had a hot very ride. understandable. Honestly. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. We can forgive him for that. Well, last one here, Ron, <laughs> that I just, I look at this game and I look at what's at stake for these two teams for the chiefs. Your urgency level is just so much lower when you're a mm -hmm. perennial Super Bowl qualifier. It's yeah. the middle of October. They, they have the target on their back every mm -hmm. single week. If the Vikings win this game, first time they've ever played Mahomes, first time they've ever had the Chiefs at U.S. Bank Stadium, we'll talk about this game for years if mm -hmm. the Vikings pull this off. For yeah. the Chiefs, this is just your run-of-the-mill October game, game in week five, mm -hmm. just trying to get ramped up for January. Like, how much value do you think there is that the Vikings have all the urgency going into this matchup? So much more than I think the Chiefs can muster. Yeah, well, if you think about it's Thanksgiving's coming up. We know Halloween. I've seen turkeys running around. I feel like the Chiefs are almost like a, a fattened turkey at this point, ready to be slaughtered because of, did you see that Bears game? Like, you know, like, it's yeah. just like. I just feel like they have a little bit of like, oh, like Taylor Swift is, you know, and Taylor Swift is a huge mental like separation for them. And then you go to the, so you go from the Bears to the Jets. The Jets theoretically won that game. The referees had some questionable flags and not to say Sauce Gardner wasn't holding maybe a little bit, but the, the timing of the throw, if you think he's holding, you throw the flag now. So you just throw it out there. Hey, that's like on the, on the, the interception. interception. Yeah, yeah. He didn't throw okay. it until after the end. Like I felt like he was almost like, Oh, well, if he can please just pass somewhere else, I'll just let this go. But then if he throws a pick and he's like, Oh wait, nope, 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 nope. Can't let this happen. And it's like, is that holding though? It's within five to seven yards. So I was going to point it out. He's like, he had his hand straight out within the five yards, which he's allowed to do. 
And then the receiver swam under that arm. And so he's trying to like, he literally whipped the arm away from the guy. And so I didn't really see it as a holding. I saw it as a guy that got locked up within five yards. And then the, the, the referee like just threw the flag, you know? And so that one, and then the, we all saw the Jermaine uh, Johnson, you know, Eden Prairie native uh, getting absolutely held up. And then he's slapping uh, the tackle as if like, he's a little brother, like, man, let me go, let me go. And no flag. Patrick Mahomes runs right by him. And the referee said this. He said, if he had not given up on the play, they probably would have threw the flag. I'm like, what? So they're saying it looked like Jermaine Johnson had given up on the play. Then people are like, oh, how come he didn't get a flag for smacking him in the in, face? In I'm like, double flag both of them. Double flag in both fairness, of them. In fairness, it looked like he gave up on the play because he was getting absolutely he got worked. Yeah, all he, the got way. Yeah. <laughs> he got mauled. He got mauled. He did. He had him. He had his feet inside. He had his hands inside. But the minute Jermaine Johnson yeah, like tried to yank, direction, yeah. you could see the thing. So yeah, he should have probably spun out and just yeah. let him pull him. But yeah, he started smacking him. <laughs> In the head, like he's a little brother, like fighting his big brother. Like, man, let me go, man. I'm telling mama on you. And so the referee just felt like, you know what? You're not even trying to get away. Kind of behavior. (laughs) Correct. (laughs) I would have rather them throw a double flag, holding and excessive smacking to the face, and then just reset the play. Like both penalties (laughs) offset. Excessive smacking. Redo second or third down. Excessive sportsmanlike conduct. Illegal smacking to the face. He's giving him the business down there. Yeah, there Um, it is. Uh, he's at three Ron Johnson on X hosting the round table show tomorrow with Reggie Wilson, Julia Daniels, myself. We'll be talking twins, probably some wolves preseason. And of course, Vikings and Gophers, big sports week here in Minnesota. Ron, thank you. We appreciate it. I appreciate it. I hope people start betting on if Taylor Swift's going to show up to stadiums. Like I, I think the plus 2,700 odds, I put $10 on Taylor to show up. Why not? Like, Let's make the Taylor watch fun. Get 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 see how dramatic she gets. Yeah, get some airlines involved and some you know yeah. See see if she really plays up to it. Uh, Could you imagine that? Yeah, she can't use her private jet because everyone kept criticizing. Well, here's the thing though you you would know it's up to some if Hugh Jackman lays down like ten million on Taylor to show up. Then everybody's gonna be like, (laughs) I would swing the line. Yeah, you get a really weird Albert Breer tweet about like or who is it? Darren Rovell? Like yeah, a better place. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, Jackman's been out of work with this writer's strike. He might need the money. Hey, 10 million on T-Swift to show up to U.S. Bank Stadium. There you go. Laid down by the Wolverine himself. <laughs> that would pay nicely. Uh, that's hilarious. Thanks, Ron. Good stuff. Appreciate as it. You always. guys have a good one. Mm-hmm. Too. Yeah, great stuff from Ron. Uh, we're going to get into the Vikings pass protection, which Luke asked about during that interview. We're going to talk about where the Vikings are at in their defensive rebuild arc and we're going to make our parlay picks. But first, a word from FanDuel. FanDuel.com slash locked on. Great place to bet the NFL this season. America's number one sportsbook for a reason. They have great promotions like this. Bet five, get 200. That's right. New customers can bet just five. And win or lose, you're guaranteed $200 in bonus bets. So you want to bet the spreads, the player props, the over-unders, the futures, and so much more, including outside of football. You got basketball starting, baseball postseason. FanDuel.com slash locked on, the place to get started. FanDuel.com slash locked on. There are so many good ways to wager, and we will be making our parlay bets later in the show. FanDuel, an official partner of the National Football League. All right, all right, all right. Let's talk pass protection. Uh, You asked Ron about this, Luke, and and I wanted to get into this too. Kirk Cousins, 10th lowest pressure rate in the NFL. Mm -hmm. And yet, per a tweet from Kevin Seifert, he has been hit at a higher rate than last year. 9.75 hits per game per ESPN metrics compared to 8 hits per game in 2022. So is this an elusiveness problem on Kirk's part? Is this an anomaly? Because pass protection, on the whole, play-by-play basis, Arif, has not been bad. But when it's been bad, it's been catastrophic. What do you make of it? Well, I think um, you know some of the things that, that Luke and Ryan discussed are, are definitely part of it, right? I think that... Um, I don't know how much, and and obviously I've not been diving as deep into into the film uh, as as much as Luke has. I don't know how much it's a lack of hot routes in the offense. You know, the routes that are designed to break open in response to a blitz. Um, 
that can you'd think like, hey, a lot of NFL offenses, you'd think that they all have hot rods. But I mean, that was like one of the biggest criticisms of the Eagles last year was that they didn't really have hot rods in response to a blitz. And so it's not as if, you know, this is something that we can just assume is going to be part of an NFL offense. I think it's the second thing that Luke mentioned. I think it's the smaller movements in the pocket. Um, what's really curious about this, right? And it's not just just PFF, right? You take a look at ESPN pass rush win or pass block win rate. You take a look at SIS blown block rate. Take a look at any metric that looks at um, either, you know, the pressures given up by the offensive line or the blocks won by the offensive line, both of which are really relevant metrics here. Um, and the Vikings are, you know, at the top or near the top. Uh, and I think that part of it is just when he when he chooses to kind of hold on to the ball. So overall, his average time to throw in the NFL is about average. In fact, I think relative to the rest of the league, this is actually one of the fastest he's he's thrown um, in in his career, which now we've got a real problem trying to figure all this out. But I think the thing is, it his fast throws are really fast. Uh, he has a higher proportion of throws over two and a half seconds than all of but about six quarterbacks in the league. And in fact, he's right next to Patrick Mahomes in terms of the number of throws over two and a half seconds. Uh, and a lot of these metrics cut off at exactly that point, two and a half seconds, uh, especially the win rate metrics, right? Um, and uh, the the pressure metrics, sometimes they'll count it as a quarterback-induced pressure versus an offensive line-induced pressure. So that's like something you have to keep in mind too. Um I think it is that he's waiting until like basically the last moment for him to be able to find the biggest play possible, which is not something that we tend to characterize Kirk as doing. And we need to, I think, reevaluate who Cousins is as a quarterback over these last two years versus his first couple of years with the Vikings or even with Washington, because it very much seems like instead of being that textbook paint by numbers quarterback he very much wants to be a much more aggressive slightly more improvisational playmaking quarterback but the the muscle memory for that kind of play or whatever you want to call it is not exactly always there and so he doesn't have a good feel for when he needs to uh bail on a potential big play and so that's when those hits come in let I me give you the... a couple more metrics to just to muddle the conversation before you go, Bron. So the PFF allowed pressure stat tries to evaluate which quarterbacks are permitting the pressure themselves. And Kirk Cousins is exquisitely good. Oh in my this God. Metric. That's perfect. He is yeah. fantastic. It's at this wild. The... I have no he's... idea how they have gotten this number for two. They say he's yeah, responsible beautiful. for two, that's, which that's is so beautiful. It makes this conversation <laughs> so weird. Tied for third best out of 35 quarterbacks and his percentage he's got, of dropbacks. Like so he's got a 31% pressure rate, just him alone, but he's got the highest hit rate. It's and absurd. it's nobody's fault, according to PFF, which also grades the O-line very well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not Kirk Cousins' fault, they say. Uh so Bron, why do how do you what do you make of that weird duality? Yeah, so like if you look at each one they'll they'll all have their own reasons right and i think the two most common reasons are the things that we've been talking about sometimes there's just nowhere short to go with the ball and all he can do is eat it and then sometimes it's reasonable to expect a quarterback to buy time there like i look at the 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 jeremy chin sack on third and five that was there was a guy on him at the top of his drop right um coming in like a bat out of hell and i think that it's okay to expect a sidestep in a lot of situations but we don't really expect that from Kirk Cousins because that's not who he is you know he's a statue back there that's his whole like he's not a mobile QB we gotta get a mobile QB that's the like the whole debate right and I think because our expectations for Kirk Cousins do not involve mobility when we don't see mobility we don't get that frustrated with it we just kind of go oh yeah that's kind of who he is and we say well who else's fault should this be then we should expect it from someone else And, and I think that there is just something too, like, yeah, that's the cost of a pocket quarterback. He's going to take that sack and say, you know, Justin Fields or Patrick Mahomes or Jalen Hurts or Josh Allen aren't going to take that sack. They're going to spin out of that thing. Um, Bryce Young, right? Spun out of wor- way worse situations uh, in that and, and ran around and either found plays or found throwaways or whatever. Um, and cu- not to say Cousins never does it, right? There are tons of times where he'll work a pocket or where he'll bail and start doing something on the run and get to a throwaway. 
uh, but not enough. And those take the hit. So if we want to play the blame game, it might just be the the fault lies in a skill that Kirk Cousins does not and will not have because he ain't getting younger. So what do we do about that? We just kind of have to log it as something we're prioritizing next offseason when we're looking for the quarterback. So I've been looking at, so I'm looking at uh hit percentage just in terms of percent of dropbacks. Um, and uh, I've got some great news. Kirk Cousins is not number one in hit percentage. He's number two. Fantastic. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's actually Jared Goff at number one. Uh, but the Lions don't throw the ball that much, so who cares? Uh, <laughs> okay, yeah. Huh. Yeah, yeah. And the Lions, another team with you would you would say I think a great offensive line. Uh, yeah. Although they're like very well known for run blocking, but yes, I would argue that they've got a very good offensive line. Um, yeah, I think the percentage of pressures that convert into hits for so this is interesting. So if you take a look at pass rush win rate or PFF pressure rate or PFF win rate or SIS blown block rate, um. Cousins is in a good spot. If you take a look at sport radar pressure rate, which I believe uses chip data for pressures, not for wins, for pressures, Kirk Cousins like is a, near the top. Like a, a yard of, like within, yeah, within a yard within kind a of yard. thing? Yes, yes. Um, Kirk Cousins is within the top in terms of pressure rate. So if I sort, and and their, their percentages are a lot different than PFFs. PFF is a lot more generous in terms of defining what is a pressure. Typically, it relies on a quarterback moving off of their spot. Yeah, very influence the quarterback. Yeah. Um, for, for, for sport radar slash next gen, for the chip data type pressure rates, it tends to be a smaller number. So Kirk Cousins has a 27.8 pressure rate in their data. That ranks fifth in the NFL. Um, now, they don't. They don't do the whose fault is it, right? Um, I, I I wonder if Cousins doesn't act as if pressure impacts him. And I was going to say, <laughs> is that why PFF is like, well, it didn't influence Kirk Cousins. And that's not, that's not good. That's not good. He got drilled in the ribs, but it didn't influence the throw. <laughs> <laughs> that interception he threw against Carolina, that was all Kirk. That's I'm pretty confident they would call that one a pressure. But otherwise... <laughs> <laughs> but otherwise, yeah. So um that's you know just something to keep in mind is that is that uh first of all, this is like a very interesting discussion in terms of how we talk about these statistics, what they tell us, what they don't tell us, what kind of the shape of the offense looks like given all of the different ways that they agree or disagree. Um, this to me just suggests that cousins holds onto the ball into the pocket a fair amount, not all the time, a fair amount and does not move like uh which okay uh which is why pff is just like can't count that as a pressure and next gen is just like you're getting hit you're getting hit <laughs> you know so, uh i i think all of those play a role kirk cousins is seeking the big yeah. play he doesn't really have the improvisational capability to maximize that level or style of play and uh, we're left with uh the second highest hit rate in the and that's particularly exacerbated by free rushers and I think teams know that. Yes. So yeah. go send a lot of people and, and you're going to light them up. And this is one of those stats too, where there isn't a lot of cohesiveness between the analytics outfits. Like the ESPN hit numbers are so much more bloated than the PFF hit numbers. And PFF tries to clarify it as hit at hit throw. As thrown. Yeah, hit yeah, as yeah. thrown, which is very close to a hit because if you're getting hit and it's not a penalty, then it yeah. basically has to be as you're throwing. So it's a very different interpretation, it, clearly, it gets, with ESPN. It gets super weird. So, like, I think um, if you use SIS, Sports Info Solutions, mm -hmm. um, it's knockdowns and hits, and they're different. You can be knocked down without a hit. That's pretty rare. Or you can be hit without a knockdown. Um, knockdowns also include sacks where you are knocked down. So these strip sacks sometimes don't count. Um, it's It's very confusing. ESPN's hit numbers are based off of the box score Elias Sports Bureau hit numbers, not like next gen. Mm -hmm. um, and so I believe for them, every sack that's not like a strip sack counts as a hit. And then every hit um, that knocks you down counts as a hit, whether or not it was done while you're throwing or not. Um, and I think if you get bumped, it's not a hit. It's, it's very weird. 
So SIS counts the bumps that don't knock you down as hits. Um, it, yeah, it, a lot it of content. Blur, blurs the line. Yeah, there's a lot of like, yeah, what what counts as what to it. Yeah, if you like understand the the guts of each one of these, then maybe you can come up with like what is actually happening, or you know, watch them. What? Um, no. you know, watch the games. <laughs> watch the you know. Just, just like, look at this like, what happened here. <laughs> um, that was my offensive talker of the day. Quickly, a defensive talker before we do parlays. So if we're looking at this as a basically a defensive rebuild, I know they retain some veterans, but this is a defensive rebuild. You want to come away from this season feeling good about young, affordable talent that you're going to have for years to come. So we're looking past Harrison Smith. We're looking past Daniil Hunter. I think we're looking past Marcus Davenport. I don't know if he's going to be here. Daniel Hunter's still year. young. Come on. <laughs> um, he's on a one-year contract. That's my that's my bigger thing. Oh, Jordan okay. Hicks. Yeah, they'll figure he, it out. He's old. He's a one-year deal. Um, they'll trade him. So how? Draft. So through the lens of young talent that's going to be here a while at value, how are we feeling about the progress of this rebuild? Who has emerged to give you optimism about the direction? Cameron Bynum. Cameron Bynum, Bynum, I think I, I like yes. what a Caleb Evans has done yeah. so far. Yeah. Uh, Ivan Pace. I don't, I don't know that he'll it's ever It's not be, done. Yeah, that, that's a good point. I, I don't know if Caleb Evans will ever be better than a quarterback too, but man, he might be a very good quarterback too. Getting that in the yeah. fourth round is a coup. take those. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And like, like you there, said on your show, Ron, be... I watched your show yesterday, two days ago, talking about Kwesi's drafting and how we can't fully evaluate it yet. But also, you can knock him for Booth, but then the praise for Evans kind of cancels that out, does it not? Yeah, you kind of have to do both. But like, if if you're ready to declare success or failure on draft picks, you know, four games into their second year, if you're going to do that, then you have to do that with Evans, and you have to do that with Booth. Mm-hmm. Normally, I'd be resistant to doing that, but man, the top of that draft looks so bad that i just kind of want to yeah. be like yeah 2022 draft didn't work out i just don't know that it's apocalyptic that one draft class doesn't work out so well it it's always apocalyptic with vikings fans you miss on yeah. out on a first down in the first quarter with seven minutes left and people want to go walk into the ocean that's just how it, how it is over here yeah, I mean, it's how you're conditioned right um but... small sample size overreactions are yeah. incredibly painful but so... yeah uh other other young players uh on the defense that you know see like okay so i know that Kairos Tonga has not gotten literally any playing time, but I mean, he's young. Uh, they've got control over him for a fair amount of time. I think that there's something there to kind of work with. I think that they keep him on the roster for a reason, right? Like it's kind of weird yeah. how this keeps happening, but I, I think, I do think we'll he's been usurped him. by Jaquil and Roy with good reason. Um, that, that might be fair. And I think yeah. Roy has more versatility and I think, and he can be a yeah. part of the conversation. He's an exciting piece yeah. you have for four years. Yeah. Can be a, uh, a James Lynch type, a ro- rotato on de- on the defensive line. Yeah. Do we count Josh Metellus as young and here for a while? I do. I ben think that Metellus is absolutely part yeah. of that. I mean, he's um, signed oh, yeah, through twenty twenty five at fairly reasonable value, like six sure. million guaranteed. Yeah. Um, I think that's fair for a guy that's like a safety linebacker nickel hybrid who yeah. does exactly what Brian Flores needs him to do and is doing it well through four games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm all about that. Cool, yeah. It's just that. not done. There's That's like that's a good chunk of dudes, but we still desperately need like beef up front. We still need another long-term. Mm-hmm. I mean, we need edge rushers under contract next year at all. I don't know. Yeah, do good any? ones preferably, but yeah, having yeah. them is a start. Andre Carter. Andre that, Carter that, that, and Patrick Jones, I think that's it. Like that's a bleak oh, room. That's going to be a, a nightmare of a of a need in the off season. Kind of the same yeah. way corner was this year. Yeah, um, both with connections to the military, though. So you've got that going for you. Thank well, you for there you service. go. <laughs> Where's Butcher the long snapper? Yeah. Where's um, Austin Cutting when you need him? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, right. Just move him. But like, you, you've got that. You need. Um, I, I don't know if they are going to be comfortable with like Pace and Asamoah being the long-term linebackers if Jordan Hicks leaves next year, or do they want someone bigger? Um, I, just, I love a uh, Mighty Mouse room, man. That just sounds so funny to me. It does, until you watch games like the Eagles game. 
<laughs> you're like, oh my god, no. by six three tight ends, <laughs> being absolutely <laughs> destroyed by everyone's like sixth round guard because they've just got a hundred pounds on you. <laughs> yeah, but they got fight. <laughs> they got fight. How disappointing, though, if we do. And hey, pace has been unreal. But if we get through this year not knowing anything more about Asamoah, Asamoah, still don't know how to say it. Um, that that would be disappointing if, to me. If we go through the year not knowing any more about him, that's something that we have that, learned. That about. is the information. Yeah. I mean, that I guess that's what you need to know. Yeah. But you would think that next year he would again be sort of tabbed as the guy. Depends on what happens to free agency in the draft. That, yeah. Did, you, I you just yeah. no one would but be here's shocked the thing. if they grabbed a linebacker. So what what's good about the defense right now is that you kind of have the safety position figured out like for the future beyond Harrison Smith at value. And yeah. that's not a position you want to sink money into. Potentially you could have linebacker also figured out. Like if you've got Asamoah and Pace at value, those are two like low positional value areas where you would love to just not have to worry about, not have to sink resources into. So you can put all your energy in pass rush, cornerback, Jefferson extension, like the the stuff that matters. So it'd be very funny if the Vikings platooned their linebackers in response and got like a Techio spikes, uh, just in response to the fact that like they have two very tiny linebackers. Is that a I big like that... player? Yeah, he's like his whole thing was stopping okay. the run. Yeah, I feel like a guy whose whole thing is stopping the run is like absolutely a need. Yeah. In in free agency, I don't know if that's a guy you necessarily want to draft. Like, get me like a a wily veteran that knows what he's doing, that can fit it up well and be strong. Let's, uh, let's ask Ben every Gideon. Lineman. Let's ask Ben Gideon if his concussion was really all that bad. <laughs> <laughs> What's he up to? <laughs> hey, we got Cam Smith in the building. Let's see if he'll suit up. Chad Greenway is still in very good shape. I hear best shape of his life. Best, Best shape, shape of, of his life. life. There you go. Bring some Grey Goose vodka to the building. We can give go. Troy Reader another spin. <laughs> I think it's Grey Duck. But they don't oh, sponsor right. us, so we don't need to get it right. Yeah. Sorry, Chad. <laughs> I have <laughs> some, too. I, I, <laughs> another diss from Arif Hassan yeah, to Chad Greenway. Reviving the beef. Classic. Look at me go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're going to do parlays right after this quick word. You can find all of our shows on the SXM app. That's Sirius XM. Search Locked On Sports Minnesota. Find the Ron Johnson Show, Minnesota Football Party, and the all-new Minnesota Basketball Party, which debuted on Wednesday. Ben Beacon, Jack Borman, Reggie Wilson, Ron Johnson, myself. Five-man panel talking Timberwolves basketball every Wednesday. Find that on the SXM app. Also find us 24-7 YouTube live stream, Amazon Fire, Roku, so many places to watch and listen to Locked On Sports Minnesota. Parlays. Here where, here's where we stand. We began the year with a thousand mythical dollars. We're doing a parlay a week. Minimum this week, 50, maximum 500. Arif, you're one in three. You lead the bankroll with $1,230. Braun second. That's right. $1,135, $95 behind. I am third. At 9.92, so I'm down eight for the year. Inman, who has only made his picks twice, we picked for him twice. He texted his picks for today, okay. which we will attempt to honor. Oh, um, hey, he bad. is down to 630 When you say attempt to honor, does that mean he didn't give you that many picks? So, Well, yeah, if, if they get sniped okay, yeah, and he runs out of options, then yeah, yeah then he gets the Jaguars. That's fine. <laughs> he gets the yeah. Are you yeah, saying you didn't already pick the Jaguars? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> All right. Who remembers exactly who went first last time? I might have to go back to last Thursday and, and figure this out. I think I went first last time because I got I caught off guard. I thought, I thought that was Luke bad. went first last time. But, yeah. So last time, Braun started. Yeah. Then it was me. Then it was Luke. Then it was Reef. So it would be me starting, then Inman, then Reef, then Braun. So I'm beginning... And I think I found something last week. The 49ers with the Shaney script are unbelievable out of the gate. Okay. They've scored in their opening possession now four consecutive games. 
mm-hmm. and they have won four consecutive games. So mm-hmm. I am once again going to take San Francisco to score first and win. And this week it's against the Cowboys at plus 128. So that's my first leg. Okay. Luke Inman will counter. <laughs> with... He sees your bet in response. He's going Steelers. Home dogs against Baltimore, plus four and a half. Has he watched the Steelers? I'm just very curious about this. I don't know, man. I just got the text message. Hey, I it's a Vegas line, so it's it's what you could pick either one and be right. I I just man, do not believe in the Steelers. That sends it to a reef. I kind of want to take the Ravens after I just talked all that up. But no, uh, I believe in CJ Stroud. Uh, the Houston Texans are plus one and a half against the lowly Atlanta Falcons, who have a very good defense, but no quarterback. Um, so I'll take the Houston Texans plus one and a half. Um, and then what, Luke has the snake, right? Yep. Ron right. gets both. Um, yep. Wild that the Vikings are only, for all of this uh, doom and gloom, they're four-point dogs. It's a, they're, they're underdogs by less than the Rams are to the Eagles. Uh but I'm not going to bet against their ability to make every game tight no matter what. That's a magic that the Vikings always have. So instead, I'll just take the Chiefs' point total over 28.5, which also feels pretty... I feel like they can they can clear that against this blitz-happy deep. Can Patrick Mahomes def- defend or answer the blitz? I think so, guys. Uh, and then on the other side, I'm also going to take a rookie quarterback. I think the wrong team is favored in this Colts-Titans game. Uh, Colts plus 2.5. Parlay that together. I'll put a Hunsky on it at two at plus 278. Yeah, I, I think Luke's right. Why are the Titans favored? What in the world? I mean, maybe I've yeah, just been they watching beat the Bengals really bad. Played a pretty good game against, yeah, the Bengals. Coming off yeah, it. but the Bengals don't have a quarterback. Like, that doesn't count. <laughs> yeah. On one calf. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Anthony Richardson with all of his limbs intact. Yeah, I'll take that guy over Joe Burrow with none of them. Are Richardson's yeah. limbs all intact, though? Hasn't he been banged up? Yeah, but that, like concussions. It's, his limbs oh, just are fine. Concussion. Not his limbs. Yeah, not yeah, his, his limbs. limbs are fine. Yeah. That's I, honestly, I usually you don't play. That's the important part. I usually try to stray away from betting on division games because it's always just weird. You yeah, just know each other so well. Yeah. Uh, but I believe in Average. He's good, man. He's he, awesome. like. The the throw that went viral on Twitter, like just after the game, that wasn't even his like best throw of the game. That was just the most insane one. He's good, goodness. Yeah, Arif, your pick. Uh, David Montgomery is minus one eighty anytime touchdown uh, against the Panthers, and man, that is a lot. That is so much. I'm taking it anyway. I don't care. Um, yeah, I I just saw the Panthers defense. I'm comfortable with this one. Uh, so that is uh, what the minimum is 50, right? Yeah, correct. Uh, mm-hmm. Do that to win uh, 9848. So plus 196. So Reef went maximum, maximum, maximum until he won. And now he's gone minimum, minimum. I think we figured out his strategy. Yep. Luke Inman is going to count that was a secret. With... <laughs> yeah, you're a detective, man. <laughs> <laughs> a Bijan. Anytime touchdown. Sure. Yeah, why not? So that, together with the Steelers, he wants 150 on it. 256. Sure. All right, dude. That leaves it for me for the final pick. I really don't like the Bears. Commanders were really plucky on the road last week. I think Sam Howell might be all right. Um, Commanders, I'm just going to fade the Bears. Um and take Washington minus six to win by a meager little touchdown. Yeah, I'm doing that. See, Brian Commander. Robinson is minus 165 to score in that game. That's crazy to me. <laughs> That's that is insane. Cause <laughs> as bad as the bears are, it doesn't have to be him. Yeah, right. That's, I'm just like, what are we doing? They can give up passing touchdowns only like, yeah. what? <laughs> Do we think this is it for Eberflus if they lose on Thursday night? Long mini buy time to I figure ke- it out. I keep on getting told that the Bears are an organization that does not fire coaches midway through the season. And I they feel literally like never have. 
that yeah but i feel like that's true of a lot of organizations until they do it right like it <laughs> well yeah <laughs> and like luffy smith was like perfunctorily not fired right like for the last two games of his final year even though it finished yeah. with 10 wins right so yeah, well like with nagy like you knew by yeah. december that it was gonna happen and they're just well this game the year's over let's just like you know let it happen with dignity but i feel like Pretty early in the season we might it's, it's early enough in the season where you feel like it could maybe make a difference to let this just keep happening all year yeah plus you want there's a lot of games play, left to right? to suffer like, through you know what better way to restore confidence in the organization than firing everybody and i mean <laughs> that like unironically but that sentence yeah. is very good too. <laughs> do something for the for the fans yeah, yeah it's like there's a lot of games. Like it's one thing. Ah, we got two games left. Whatever. Just let it. Then you know, and we're we're two and fourteen. Like it's fine. But when the, you've got thirteen games left to play, that's a lot to go through with a dude that you know is not like. Especially if you know he's not going to be the guy after the end of the year, and you got a little mini buy here, a little bit of time to kind of yeah, get get everybody to call used Jeff to Saturday. Yeah, call call yeah. Jeff Saturday. Is there a former bear Josh in the media McCown? that they could? Well, what's funny? I, I asked, I asked Lauren Cox about this, um, and he was like, "Is probably they call Luke Getzi. <laughs> <laughs> Luke Getzi would be the interim. Uh, oh boy. Okay. Well, maybe yeah. that means he's not calling plays. You know, maybe. Well, maybe. Right. Or maybe Is both. Filippo still go. there. Would Filippo take over? Is I do not believe there? he is still there. Oh man, he was in funny. the USFL. Where's Flip? I miss sure. Flip, but uh, he was very good. Yeah, New Orleans Breakers. All right, coaching up the Slotster. Um, but yeah, I mean, right? Uh, they deserve yeah, each other. Any any interim coach that You're that has a staff man. that will not likely be investigated by the FBI, I think, will be an upgrade. Yeah. So no former commanders actually true though <laughs> for the record uh i put a hundred on my parlay at plus three thirty five. Oh, yeah, right that's a good point oh, that's yeah, all right yeah. we're done we're yeah. done we did it we're good we're good i'll i'll send those out um excited to take the lead on you guys this week uh we'll see if inman gets on the board we'll see if inman ever uh shows up to make his picks in person again i think he's just he's just nervous he's nervous about his winless record he doesn't <laughs> want to show his face well, i get it i've got internet issues for sure, that's what I'm doing. Convenient. Really convenient. Yeah, for sure. Find Arif's work at the Wide Left Substack. Find Luke Braun's work on his Patreon or on Locked On Vikings. Find the audio of this show, by the way, on Locked On Vikings as well. We'll be back on Monday to recap the game. And on Sunday, we'll have the Locked On Vikings postcast with Luke Braun, Luke Inman, Ron Johnson. I'm out this week. I'm calling college hockey. St. Thomas, St. Cloud. Big matchup in the early season. Uh, but for myself, Sam, Arif, and Luke, we thank you for tuning in today on the Minnesota Football Party.